0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome in to everyone watching or listening live or on demand. This is the Makeshift Managers podcast. My name is Austin. With me, as always, is my buddy, Devin. Hello. That's all he's got. That's the end of the episode, so <laughs> we're glad you joined. Okay. Um, we're back. We're back. We're staying south. We're going into the south. Um, you came for a preview. You're going to get a vision preview, so let's just kick right into it. We are going to kick right into the Khan family possession that is all elite wrestling. Devin, CM Punk has been champion for a number of days now. How do you feel about that? Um, Tony Khan hasn't been answering my emails. So I know his son
1: runs AEW, but congrats to CM Punk, I guess. Hopefully he can uh, meet the Jaguars roster this season and inspire them with, uh, you know, giving them a feeling of, like, winning. Because, you know, in Jacksonville, they haven't done a whole lot of that for the – past decade and I'm looking at you Blake Bortles you do get your credit but beyond that it's aside from the one year of Saxonville and uh, Mark Brunel in the early aughts we're not looking at a team that's
0: seen much success all jokes aside Tony Khan runs all elite wrestling but Papa Khan Papa Khan owns the Jacksonville Jaguars finishing the year at 3 and 14 with the all elusive Week 18 win to keep the Indianapolis Colts out of the playoffs. This team improved. I will say that. I think they're going to be better than 3-14. and 14, I will say that. Trevor Lawrence is a singer, too. Trevor Lawrence looked okay last season. Um, you know, he's a rookie. He threw for 3,600 yards. But the 12 touchdowns to 17 interceptions is the terrifying thing. Obviously, you're trying to fit the ball in there. Everyone thought Lavisca Chenault was going to pop off. That didn't happen. He just didn't really have that great of a wide receiver core. And boy, boy, did the Jacksonville Jaguars throw a wrench in the wide receiver core. Um, they signed Christian Kirk to a lot of money. They uh, they signed Mar- uh, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram. They're ready for, you know, five points, let me tell you. Um, they are here. They are I'm running out of things to say. They drafted Trayvon Walker. That's great. They have Josh Allen, the wrong Josh Allen, but they have Josh Allen nonetheless. You know, it's funny. The more I talk about this, the more it's funny how the wins came out for Jacksonville last year. They beat the Bills. Yeah. Not handily. It was a very disgusting game. They beat the Colts, and I don't remember what their third win was, but it's really weird. You you beat two really good teams, basically two playoff teams. Um, because for some reason the Colts just can't win in Jacksonville and they haven't since 2014, which just doesn't make any sense to me, but that's neither here nor there. Um, they have Jill Griffin on their defense. I think Trayvon Walker is going to be obviously a great addition when you have the first overall pick, whether or not we agree with the first overall pick is neither here nor there. Um, but it is what it is. It's, it's still a good pick nonetheless to fortify the defense. I felt that's what they needed the most. Um. They have an okay line. Obviously, you want to protect the young quarterback and not get beat up too, too hard. Um, they'll get Travis Etienne back this year. Uh, James Robinson might be ready for week one. We'll see, but I think they're going to relive that Clemson backfield of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. It's going to be exciting to watch. I think they're going to score a lot more points than they did last year for sure. Um, they really they scored only 253 points last year. I'm almost sure that's last in the league, and it's probably not particularly close um so obviously the the offense needed a little jump but there wasn't really a offensive guy to take at the number one pick so they did build their defense which is always defense wins championships um and just spent a lot of money on the offense to try and change it up a little bit because that's kind of what they needed. they needed a new look they had their guy in trevor lawrence they lost travis Etienne, obviously to a terrible injury in the preseason um was it even preseason happened in camp didn't it Yeah, ETN went down with a
1: Liz Frank injury uh, last year's training camp,
0: and it sidelined him for the full year. So it's going to be awesome to watch him this year. It'll be really interesting to see the wide receiver core move around and see what Christian Kirk is going to be like as the number one wide receiver after leaving uh, Arizona. Evan Ingram obviously has been absolutely walloped for his stone hands over the years, so it'll be interesting to see if a change is good for him um i'm all for it if evan ingram wants to have a good time let him have a good time um no hate here um but is still like a five or six win team i think they're going to be a little more competitive for sure especially on the offensive side of the ball um but outside of that it's just baby steps at this point we kind of talked about the lions we'll talk about with the texans it's just baby steps at this point win a couple more games each year and try to get a little better each time um what about you
1: For me, this team is greatly improved. Jacksonville did something that only a few franchises ever truly have to do in an offseason. They made their biggest upgrade before the offseason technically even started. It happened uh, the middle of last season whenever they fired regional manager of the year, Urban Meyer, at your local Applebee's. Um, Saying that the upgrade from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson is an upgrade is an understatement of the century, I do know that they were linked to – now Buccaneers head coach, if I'm correct, it's Leftwich, right? If I'm correct. Yeah. Byron Leftwich. Yeah. Byron Leftwich was actually, uh, in talks with Jacksonville for a while. There was an uproar after they hired Peterson. Um, obviously the NFL has a problem with representation and coaching staffs. Leftwich is doing just fine in a far better situation with a far better team, but Jacksonville has done damn near everything right in this off season. Uh, you, you alluded to it, Austin. They spent money. This is one of the uh, r- richer owners in the NFL. He's got oh, money yeah. to burn, and <laughs> he's proving that now. They've got the franchise guy in Trevor Lawrence, and I understand being a little discouraged with the touchdown to interception ratio. I'm going to read off some of these stats from last season. So if we're looking at the receiving totals from last season, his top three receivers in targets and receptions were Marvin Jones Jr., LaVisca Chenault Jr., and Laquan Treadwell. And there's a reason why the top two had the last name had a junior at the end of their last name. They're not big name receivers. Nobody comes to a stadium thinking Marvin Jones Jr. is going to carry a team to the playoffs, let alone a winning record. LaVisca Chenault played really underwhelmingly for the, the lot of the season. Um beyond that, you had Dan Arnold and James O'Shaughnessy, two tight ends that you could not pick out of a lineup. Um this team was bad. They lost James Robinson halfway through they lost James Robinson after week 14 ruptured his Achilles, done for the year. ETN didn't touch the field once. Their backup running back was Carlos fucking Hyde. I give Trevor Lawrence the pass. He was playing under the worst coach the NFL has seen in a long time. Mike Ditka traded so many picks for Ricky Williams whenever he was coaching out in New Orleans. And to be honest, I think Urban Meyer's tenure was far worse. This Urban Meyer just fiasco was terrible. I had Chargers fans before they hired Staley being like, we could bring
0: in Urban Meyer. And I'm like, why the fuck would we do that? Oh, man, when the Cowboys were attached to him at first, I was like, oh, man, that's kind of interesting. But looking back, like, holy shit, man, just what a shit show that was. They were lucky to win the games, it sounds like, with
1: that guy. He was was kicking the kicker and belittling everybody on the coaching staff. Um, Trevor Lawrence is going into year two. A lot of the best players in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position, tend to make a jump in year two. We've seen it with Joe Burrow. We saw it with Patrick Mahomes. We even saw it with Justin Herbert, who had an excellent rookie year and followed it up with one of the best second years a quarterback has put together. Do I expect Trevor Lawrence to be Patrick Mahomes this year? No, I do not. Yes. Oh. But he has the weapons to where he could make that jump and be one of the better – he's going to be the best second-year quarterback in my eyes based upon the lay of the land, unless Trey Lance just for some reason is what he's built to be by Niners fans. And I'm saying Trey Lance will be good, but I think Trevor Lawrence has the opportunity to be great possibly even make a pro bowl if the numbers are there. But as long as we can see a positive trend in the touchdown to intercept interception ratio, and they're going to actually give him protection. Lawrence can do a lot of really good things. James Robinson is coming back at some point this year off the Achilles. I'm a little so-so on that, but we're looking at the skill guys. Travis Etienne jr. is getting his first full workload at the NFL level. Even if he's in a committee in the backfield Etienne is an electric player out at Clemson. He came out of college. He was the one A or one B. It was him and Najee Harris at the top of draft boards for running backs. The reason why they were the two first round running backs even taken in that draft. And so I expect ETN to have a really good rookie year and air quotes because he lost his first full season. Christian Kirk got paid a lot of money. I expect him to get peppered with targets. And I think he's talented enough to at least be the one for the team they have assembled currently. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. is a great complement to a vertical spacer like a Christian Kirk who has burners. And now you have Zay Jones in the third slot who could play in the slot. He could also play a bit on the perimeter. I think this group of receivers actually has a nice little – they should be able to mesh pretty well together. Marvin Jones Jr. has been able to exist in many receiver rooms throughout his career, being the perfect number two for a myriad of receivers. Um, LaVisca Chenault Jr. and Laquan Treadwell are flyers in my eyes at this point. I still believe in LaVisca Chenault Jr. I think he has the physical traits to be able to be a good receiver at this level. And I'm just hoping that Peterson's offense can lend Lawrence more than three options through the air and a couple of options on the ground. Because if you have to respect the run game, Lawrence is plenty enough talented to be able to hit open holes and throw the ball into open windows. Evan Ingram getting brought in at tight end is a low-cost solution to a revolving door they've had at tight end. He's flashed brilliance, especially in his rookie year, and the hands have been an issue ever since. But to be fair, he's been getting the ball tossed to him by Daniel Jones, who's not the epitome of accuracy. So I expect his numbers to trend upward. Hopefully the drops can correct themselves with a guy like Lawrence placing the ball. Brandon Sheriff is now on their uh, line at right guard. Cam Robinson got re-upped the franchise tag, if I'm correct, in the offseason. So they're investing in the line. They're trying to keep Trevor off of his back. The defense has also improved. Um I made mention last week about the NFC South and Foyas who was the NFL's leading tackler last year. He's not a Falcon. He joined this uh Jaguars defense, which is now also featuring Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, and now we also have Devin Lloyd, who could be one of the steals of this year's NFL draft. He was sliding down boards. He was a first round build talent at linebacker, and they got him. So we got Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Foyas and Josh Allen. That's on paper, a very exciting young group of linebackers. And then you look at these, you look at their secondary. You've got Shaquille Griffin, Andre Cisco, Rayshon Jenkins, and Darius Williams. It is not what we saw from uh, Saxonville back in like 2017, if I'm correct.
0: <laughs> but this is a
1: young defense that I'm going to expect to improve over the course of the season. Do I think they're going to win eight games? No, I, I I don't see that happening. This is a team that has a lot of rowing room to still go. Um, in terms of coaches, I think Doug Peterson and Lovey Smith have to be judged on the same pedestal. Um, one 3A would be Lovey Smith because Peterson's never coached in Jacksonville. But looking at the raw data and just looking at how their division has panned out, I think the improvements Jacksonville has made in accordance to the ways that their other opponents have regressed or failed to improve kind of posits them as more of an equal and they're more of an equal that going into this year than we've seen in recent years past because the Titans lost A.J. Brown. The Colts got rid of Carson Wentz and got Matt Ryan, but I'm waiting to see if Matt Ryan's actually going to prove to be the missing piece for this Colts unit because they've always been a quarterback away since Andrew Luck retired and nobody's been able to be an answer. So I'm not saying Jacksonville will win this division. But I think Jacksonville has hopped Houston to a certain extent in terms of overall talent. And I think they're going to be very difficult for the teams in this division to compete with two times this year.
0: Yeah, I think they're definitely going to be in a thorn in a side of people for sure. And like you said about Trevor Lawrence, he doesn't have to be Patrick Holmes. He just has to take, you know, those kind of steps forward. You look at the five quarterbacks out of that draft, Trey Lance and Mac Jones are arguably in the best situations because Mm -hmm. Trey Lance has a very defense very good skilled players around them. Mac Jones is on the Patriots, who are still a very good team, with even without Tom Brady. Then you have Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, who were kind of drafted to be the guy on their team. They both kind of had mediocre years, mediocre to below average years. And now they've gotten you know, some help on both defensive side of the ball and a little bit of help on the offensive side, of the ball, especially for Trevor Lawrence. Um, so they just need to take those steps up to project their teams into Start being a thorn in the side of these guys. Start winning five to seven games. And then next year, try to make a wild card push. Try to do something like that in year three, year four. And then, you know, then Justin Fields is... (sighs) Boy, Justin Fields. Um, We got into that, though. We got into that two weeks ago. Um, But yeah, obviously the wide receiver core doesn't blow you away. But it's better than it was last year, and that's exactly what it needs to be. They yes. just have to show somewhat improvement, like I said, baby steps for this team. Protect the quarterback. Um, obviously, they're going to be in the thorn in the sides of the Colts when they have to play when they face the Colts in Week Two. So that'll be probably hilarious um, if that if that whole trend continues. So we'll see how that goes. But like I said, I still see this team winning five games, but I definitely see them playing a lot better in games, scoring a lot more points, being yeah. able to. Um, especially if the defense obviously puts Trevor Lawrence in good spots, he probably didn't get a whole lot of those last year. So if Trayvon Walker and, you know, the rest of the ragtag group of guys can get some sacks going and like, I mean, look, look at Buffalo, like Buffalo a tough ass defense, but they still found a way to beat them because the defense, you know, did an outstanding job that day and they were just able to grind it out. And I think that's just kind of where they need to be. Football's a grind. You, yep. It's, it's, it's a big fucking grind. So. Basically, just don't let C.J. Bethard see the field and we'll be good to go. That's that's all that's all we need.
1: Even if C.J. Bethard were to see the field for a stretch in this season, it's not like Jacksonville is going to lose much aside from more development for their star quarterback. This is a yep. team that has nothing to lose. They're playing with house money. They have a top five pick. Sweet. Add it to the treasure trove. This is a team that is improving each and every year. So as long as they can stay on track, I'm not saying they're going to phase out the Titans or the Colts, but with a guy like Trevor Lawrence, he's arguably the best quarterback in the division behind a Matt Ryan, especially if he takes those steps coming into this year. Matt Ryan is in his late 30s. Ryan Tannehill has been passable in Tennessee, but he's never been a top 10 quarterback. So a lot of the times in these divisions, you're going to find that you have Best quarterback wins out a lot of, a lot of the time. Uh the AFC yeah. East. Brady was the best quarterback in that division for almost 20 years. And it mattered almost every year. Peyton in the AFC South for the majority of his career. It's the best quarterbacks tend to win more games than the guys behind them.
0: And you're in the AFC. You're you're yeah. in a, a actual smorgasbord of insanely talented quarterbacks i guess my question for you and then we'll move on to the texans is that you you got doug peterson obviously anything upgrade over urban meyer you and i standing on the sideline giving them thumbs up is an improvement over urban meyer we wouldn't even have tall plays we'd just be like yes you're doing great you're doing great that's an improvement over urban meyer yeah doug peterson is a super bowl winning head coach I think he got a lot of flack in Philadelphia because that was a really weird situation after that Super Bowl. In the years coming, I'm not saying he's the best coach in the world, but I think there was a little bit to give on Howie Roseman's side as well. So, I guess my question to you is: How do you feel Doug Peterson escalates this team? Where do you feel like he can put them? Do you think he has the coaching ability to get them a playoff spot? No, not this year or the year after, maybe, but in a couple years. Do you think or his e kind of the bridge?
1: I don't know if Doug Peterson's the bridge necessarily. It all depends on the development of Trevor Lawrence. The only reason Doug Peterson was in a situation to even have a shot to win a Super Bowl was the ascension of Carson Wentz and the fact that their defense had matured to a point where they were just stout as hell. Like that Eagles team that won the Super Bowl was lightning in a bottle just as much as the uh, Baltimore Ravens with Joe Flacco were for their respective time in NFL history. And that's not to discredit either Super Bowl run. You have to beat the teams in front of you, point blank but I Mm -hmm. do think that Peterson is able to lead teams in a very exciting way. And I think Peterson being a coach in the NFC East, he understands playing to your competition in certain respects because the NFC East was really not that great throughout his entire tenure as Eagles head coach. It's very hot and cold. If he's going to be this coach for, I think he's one of the better coaches to have for a team in the AFC South as a division that I don't see improving greatly over the next four to five years. I think, Tennessee and Indianapolis are at risk of phasing out over the next three to four years, just Mm. due to how old their quarterbacks are and how good they're going to be with their guys until they retire. Cause I think Matt Ryan is still going to be able to get the Colts to maybe nine, 10 wins and Ryan Mm. Tannehill, as long as Derrick Henry's getting the ball 30 times can lead that team to 10 wins as well. So it's, it's all depending on Trevor Lawrence's ability to improve over the next two to three years. Because I think if Lawrence can keep improving, it's just a matter of time before they start making some noise, especially
0: in this division. Okay. All right, let's move on to the Houston Texans. I'll let you kick off Houston. Okay, what's
1: there to say? It's a city in Texas. Um, If you didn't think about that after we said Houston Texans, I don't know what to tell you. This team is uninspiring, to say the least. Um, If you're a Houston Texans fan, I'm sorry. This is a team that five years ago was on the precipice of becoming one of the best teams in the AFC. They technically were. They ended up losing the AFC championship game to the Chiefs, if I'm correct. Right. That was the year that they blew like a two touchdown lead after the was first the half.
0: championship game. I thought it was the divisional, but I definitely could be wrong. Let me see. I'm I'm going to get lambasted for this in the uh, comment. So AFC <laughs> playoff. Blow a tw- I believe it was a 21 point lead. So that'd be 2019
1: home. NFL playoffs in 2019. You got the wild card Houston and then Tennessee Houston Titans. Beat Buffalo, right? Right? It was the divisional. Cause then Tennessee came out and spanked on uh, the Titans. So the Texans had the chiefs wait. on the ropes. Say the again, Titans played the chiefs in the AFC championship game in 2019. The- oh, cause you yeah. said 10,
0: spanked the Titans. So I'm like, Oh, wait. sorry. Kansas I city spanked confused. the Titans. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> Misquote, okay. But no, um,
1: this, is, this is a team that was on the precipice of an AFC championship birth no more than like four years ago. And now it's been burnt to the ground. Um, it's partially it, it's all the fault of the Houston Texans in their front office and ownership, to be honest. Obviously, Deshaun Watson did what he did and he behaved in the ways that he behaved. And that didn't make it any easier for Houston. But they're the people that gave all those draft picks to Miami to get Larry Matonso. They traded for David Johnson. Whenever they had DeAndre Hopkins, this is is a team that has burned every bridge with every superstar they've ever had. Aside from Deshaun, this front office and franchise have fumbled the bag gloriously on any window they were going to have to compete in this window of your Mahomes your Burroughs, your Herberts. The ship has sailed. This is a team that is three years away from being two years away. Genuinely Davis mills had a surprising rookie campaign, but to sit here and say he is the future of this franchise would be disingenuous. Could he be? possibly, but whenever you're starting Marlon Mack at running back, it's not that much to help him out. Brandon Cooks has been held in purgatory longer than I could say Allen Robinson has been because you got a guy that was getting passes thrown to him from Drew Brees, Tom Brady, a good Jared Goff in the LA Ram system to now he's getting drilled with passes from Davis Mills. He is in wide receiver purgatory. I expect Brandon Cooks to be traded at some point. If not, let go to sign somewhere else because Cooks makes decent money and that he's very good and he's a great weapon for Davis mills, but it makes little to no sense to have him on this roster. Whenever the main directive is to get better, Brandon cooks is going to be 30.
0: And as we say, every single time F taxes and Brandon, and Brandon cooks a thousand yards. yards.
1: Cause Brandon cooks is 28 years old and he's the most expensive skill position guy on this team. Besides. Okay, cool. David Johnson is not roster on the depth chart. So I digress. <laughs> But you get what I'm saying. Like, this is a very young team that I don't see competing in the near future at all. Like it would take a fucking miracle for that to work out for them. And it who knows, crazier shit's happened. Like Deshaun Watson fell to them in the draft at one point. Maybe they luck into another guy in a 10 year span. That doesn't happen. They're going to have to be incredibly bad for a very decent amount of time before they're going to be able to compete. Because the thing is, this is a team that is similar to the Jags but they were better than the Jags for the last six years. And Mm -hmm. it's showing because Jacksonville, while they're not good, they have really good pieces outside of a few players on this roster. I'm not sold on damn near anybody. The Tunsil trade will haunt them for years to come. Larry Tunsil is a great left tackle at the money he's paid for this roster. It makes little to no sense. He he affects winning. Sure. But it's, it's not about keeping Davis mills up because Chris Conley's your wide receiver three. Nico Collins is great. He's cool. But go ahead. Sorry.
0: I mean, I will say they have set themselves up well to, you know, they traded Deshaun Watson. They got three first, a third, and two fourths. So yeah, they get have multiple first rounders over the next couple of years. But you're right. They're, you look at most of the pieces and it's like, well, Brandon Cooks is a little older. He's not really – he's a great piece, but he's not, great. He's not a great piece moving forward.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's a big, that's the biggest thing for me and this whole team. Um the McNair family has been really interesting over the last couple of years. Uh Nick Casario. Jack Easterby, that's the uh that, that that's the guy that everybody loved over the last couple of off seasons. Oh boy. This is a front office that is just out of touch. Um you had Bill O'Brien running the whole ship. He fucked that oh, up. Oh. Called oh. basically called DeAndre Hopkins oh. a thug. This is a team that is in Desperate need of a just culture shift. Um I
0: forgot they traded Hopkins for a
1: second round pick. They have no no bearing on what true value is. So I wouldn't be surprised if these first rounders from Cleveland don't amount to shit. Because it would be extremely Houston of them. And I'm I'm not trying to be too hard on this team, but it's so easy to be like so hard on this team. They have pieces that i like and they have some top-end talent that will age really well Derek stingley jr was the right pick in this year's draft but they are so many drafts away from being able to actually compete at the nfl level and i know it's like well can lsu beat them no nfl rosters will beat a college roster any day of the week they're professional players but outside of brandon cook's nico collins damian pierce is a really good piece coming out of alabama if you play fantasy, that might be good for you, but he's not going to be the savior of this franchise. You've got Davis Mills backed up by Kyle Allen and Jeff Driscoll. Maybe Davis Mills is their guy. If he is, congratulations. By the time that his rookie deal is done, you're going to have to get rid of him because the team's not going to be good enough to compete. And there's no, there's no there's no reason to pay a quarterback top dollar or even middling dollars to not compete. It's there's no timeline here aside from maybe Derek Stingley that a player that is on this roster will be worth it whenever
0: they're getting their next payday. Now Davis Mills last season had an okay year. He had 2600 yard a little over 2600 yards, almost 2700. I guess I shouldn't short him. 16 touchdowns, 10 picks, so not, you know, this awful ratio that we saw with Trevor Lawrence. Um he had some good games. He played well against the Chargers, he threw for 240 54 yards there for two touchdowns. Uh, through for 300 yards against Seattle in a loss, and he only scored 14 points. But hey, he's airing it out. Threw for 300 yards against Tennessee. He's not the worst guy in the world to have. Is in a stacked AFC? Is he going to be the guy that pushes you to the top? No, no. It most likely at this point. Um, I haven't looked heavily into the next draft, but I think, like you said, there's a lot of stud quarterbacks coming out. So. I wouldn't surprise me that if they were close to the top or even they have looks the to trade, if they wanted to move and go get a quarterback, I guess it really depends on what we see from Davis Mills this year. But if we don't see an improve, a big improvement, the problem is is that you just are going against guys like Burrow, Allen and Mahomes and Herbert and you know, like all these guys, you're, it, it you're you can't get by Lamar Jackson. You're not going to be able to get by them with a guy like Davis Mills. You can have the best defense in the world, but, we saw what happened with Buffalo and Kansas City. They absolutely just beat the crap out of each other, and defense didn't matter. And they both had strong defenses going into that game on, on streaks. So at yeah. some point, it just doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. And like you said, the Laramie Tunsil trade will haunt them for years to come. Great player, don't get me wrong, but just not worth what they gave up for him. They traded Andre Hopkins for a second-round pick. They lost J.J. Watt for absolutely nothing. Granted, J.J. Watt was only playing eight games a year, but to not get anything out of them is terrible. I think they have some okay defensive pieces. Like you said, Derek Stingley Jr. was a great pick. I think he's going to be a great corner for them. Um, I like Kamar Gruger-Hill a lot. I think he's a great player, um, has, has had some okay seasons out there. You can only do so much when your defense is just absolutely getting blown up. Um, but I, I like what I've seen out of him at times. He's, he, Obviously not a linebacker that's gonna blow you away, but from what I've seen, I've seen some good things out of um Hill for sure. But outside of that, like you're looking at it and you're like, man, this team is not gonna be that great. They were four and thirteen last year. Like I said, they need to be like Jacksonville. They need to win five or six games, maybe seven. Because yeah. a lot of their a lot of their wins last year were I mean, they had they had a great game against the Chargers, but that was poor run defense that basically kind of gave that game COVID. away for the Chargers covid that or, was the covid game as well most
1: of the Chargers starters not being able to play due to uh yeah. yeah that was just bad i i can say one thing i do like the secondary for houston quite a bit better than i like jacksonville secondary jalen petre if i'm correct was one of their uh, draft picks this year um he came so yeah he was a second round draft pick out of a yeah second round draft pick rookie coming into this year along with us stingley so petre is uh projected to be their starting free safety steven nelson is not a bad corner and desmond king has shown flashes of being a good cornerback he even did that out in los angeles for the chargers for a year christian kirksey is a professional football player they got pieces on the defense that i could say i have faith in but it's just the amalgamation of all the parts i don't trust ownership i don't trust the front office And lovey smith just feels like a pawn and a much longer plan that doesn't involve him. So, you you mentioned bridge in the Jacksonville. Uh, Lovey experiment. Smith is 110 percent a bridge. Davis Mills might even be a bridge. A lot, a yeah. lot about this team screams bridge because they're transitioning, and it's it's a transition that they did not expect coming, and it's a transition that came really fast. So I think they're just flying by the seat of their pants.
0: Yeah, I mean there's just not a whole like you look at their schedule last season, two of their wins were because they swept Jacksonville and then the COVID game against um the Chargers. So I mean you're kind of beating the team you're supposed to, but you're also both a bad team anyway, so it can really go either way. It wouldn't surprise me to see Jacksonville flip the script and sweep them this year. And they got absolutely annihilated some games. They lost twenty four to nine against the Panthers, forty to nothing to the Bills, thirty one to thirty against or thirty one to three against the Colts. Thirty-one to five next game against um, the Cardinals. Like they just weren't playing close games, and they they got shut out thirty-one nothing by the Colts again. Thirty-three to thirteen from the Seahawks. It, it's just th- this team did play a few competitive games last year, but definitely nowhere near enough. They only scored two hundred and eighty points last time. That's pretty close to. Um, Jacksonville I think that's probably second last but I would have to look throughout the whole league but like I said they they just didn't have the great offense I don't even remember who was starting at quarterback at the start of the year because I know it wasn't Davis Mills Um, I'm just gonna look right now Uh, oh yeah Tyrod Taylor Tyrod Taylor was playing meaningful games for a hot second everyone thought he was the second coming when he beat Jacksonville and you know that really didn't work out he had a great game don't get me wrong and he looked good, but it's the Texans. And like you said, this team screams bridge. There's not a whole lot going on right now. There's not a whole lot of development on the horizon. Uh, I hope Damian Pierce looks looks good for everyone's fantasy sakes, since everyone's taking him. Um, but outside of that, there's just not a whole lot going on here. Um there, there's nobody behind davis mills like waiting kyle allen and jeff driscoll have been in the league for a while so it's not like somebody sitting in development and i don't think they believe that davis mills is going to be the guy if they have a top five pick this year they're going to take a quarterback i feel like they should because most likely their cleveland browns pick will be in the teens area maybe even towards the back if cleveland finally in the playoffs it depends how they do during the percent times but may hey maybe be lucky in the browns have a bad season and they have two top 10 picks Maybe they can get lucky with that, but that would be the best thing to happen to Houston since the playoffs two or three years ago. It, it would be the it would be the start of the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's miles and miles away. Yeah. Well, all right. now that we've uh,
1: got through the depressing episode of uh, <laughs> all my Houston, uh, how are you feeling about
0: Indianapolis, Austin? Like, what what what's the mo for this season in Indy? You got Jonathan Taylor, you have the fantasy back that everyone's taken number one for the most part. Number one back last year had an outstanding year: eighteen hundred yards, eighteen touchdowns. Um, 360 receiving yards with another two touchdowns added on there only fumbled four, lost lost two of them had an outstanding year especially when he needed to after they lost marlon mack because it really you were kind of confused what was going on in that backfield at first but then jonathan taylor just so reigns and went for sure um the biggest problem with them was Carson carson wentz is is a shell of his old self a shell of what he was before he tore his acl against the los angeles rams um he just hasn't been the same since, just hasn't been able to find it. And this team is a playoff last playoff team last year. If they had anyone else, like if they bat Ryan last year, they're a playoff team. They blew some games pretty easily because Carson Wentz had really poorly timed interceptions, bad decision making, and it led them to needing to beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville week 18. And they couldn't do it for the seventh, eighth time in a row, which is absolutely ridiculous to me. But it came down to that and they couldn't execute. And yeah. it wasn't even close. Like, it was not a good game. They <laughs> they lost 26-11. to 11. Yeah. They did not look good in Jacksonville at all. You look at the wide receivers, solid receiver and Michael Pittman. I still don't know how to feel about Paris. I really don't. Um, Bo Alley-Cox will have to take a step up at tight end for sure after him basically being moved up to the number one. Jack Doyle retired, all these guys. So um, sorry to see a good year out of him, but he does have a much better quarterback. Um, this defense is an all-star defense to force Buckner. Uh, they drafted Quiddy Pay. Did I say that right?
1: Quiddy Pay. Yeah.
0: Quiddy Pay. Thank you. They have Yannick and um, Shaquille Leonard. Uh, they signed Stefan Gilmore, which I didn't even know that until I read it just now. Um, the biggest thing for me is one guy on each side of the ball. Shaquille Leonard is obviously the heart of this defense. I don't know how long he's going to be out, and I think that's going to be a little tough. Um, this is a team I'll actually have to look at their schedule because I'm curious. But I have you heard anything about Shaquille Leonard? I haven't actually
1: looked into him too much. I'm not sure. Um, so the Colts are optimistic that Leonard can be back for week one against the Lions. That's uh, the last thing that uh, was posted okay. three days ago. Um, so he's trending towards a week one start, even without – uh, Shaquille Leonard in week 1 this is a this is really a team that's talented on defense. Obviously Leonard is one of the premier uh, linebackers in football. He's top 3 in my eyes. It's like Fred Warner, uh Sha- Shaq Leonard as he goes by now and then yeah. insert your favorite player here. I think it's Leonard and Wag- yeah it, it, it's Leonard and uh Fred Warner. Those those are the two guys for me. They are mm-hmm. the best at their position in the league today. I'm concerned about the Colts. If you guys go back, which would be interesting and surprising to listen to our episode from last year, I was all in on the Colts. You can ask Austin. I was like, Indianapolis is going to win this division. And I didn't think it was (laughs) going to be that close. And to be fair, I should have been proven right. My problem with this team is they replaced Carson Wentz and that is an upgrade on paper. But if you look at the stats, Carson Wentz had his best year in years. Threw for thirty five hundred yards. He had twenty seven touchdowns. The seven picks. It's just the seven picks he threw were probably the worst in Green estimated reporting. win value added. Like oh. he had the worst timing whenever it come, whenever it came to turnovers last season. And if I'm gonna be honest, Matt Ryan's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. But who the fuck is he throwing to? Like, pardon my French, but we we have all these concerns about these. Receiver rooms all throughout the league. Cleveland is one of them. We've seen some concerns about Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. The thing about Cleveland is Deshaun Watson's going to be the quarterback by week 12, week 13. Patrick Mahomes is still tossing the rock to these KC patchcasters, Uh Yeah, pa- pass catchers, not patch catchers. There you go. Yeah, pass catchers. Matt Ryan is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback whenever it's said and done. He's paced almost every record in terms of like, by this age, insert this stat for the quarterback. But I think his best years are most definitely behind him. And while he's an upgrade over what Carson Wentz was last year, if Michael Pittman goes down for any stretch of time, Jonathan Taylor will face a stack box every single time they run the ball.
0: 100%. Uh,
1: Michael Pittman Jr. broke out last year. But if we're going to be honest, um, looking at the stats, Indianapolis will be missing two of their top four receiving options from last season. Zach Pascal went to Philadelphia. T.Y. Hilton is now a free agent. This is a team that has returning pass catchers in this offense. The top three are Michael Pittman Jr., Ali Cox, and Naheem Hines. The next best guy, Jack Doyle, retired over the offseason. This is a team that is very depleted in the grand scheme of their receiving court. Alec Pierce has been showing promising development throughout training camp. So Alec Pierce could be a guy that re, kind of rejuvenates the receiver room to a certain extent. But after Paris Campbell and Ke- and uh, Alec Pierce, you're looking at names like Ashton Doolin and Kiki Cootie to give you reliable guys in the perimeter that I'm not going to trust until I've seen it. Jonathan Taylor is generational at this point. Um, he's everything we thought he would be out of college. People were concerned about the mileage on his body, a four-year starter, insane numbers those wisconsin guys put up numbers in college and a lot of them have had really good nfl careers insert james white insert melvin gordon i digress the defense if the colts are going to win this division this defense will have to be as good as they were last year if not better and i'm banking on them being better this year quiddie pay deforest buckner and yannick and are a scary three guys to have on your front four and you look at the linebacking core you got bobby okariki and shaq leonard Zaire Franklin, uh, last year, let's look at the stats. He put up 40 total tackles. He had an interception. He's in the perfect place for him to play. He's uh, drafted in 2018, so he's more of a veteran-type player on this defense. But whenever you are playing on the same field as Shaq Leonard and Bobby Okereke, your job as a linebacker becomes insanely easier. He's not going to be asked to do the super complicated stuff. He's going to have to plug holes, stop the run, and playing coverage once in a while. The secondary, I like it a lot. Um, for me, this division gets won based upon which defense in Tennessee or the Colts can play better. I think both of their offenses are intrinsically flawed, and they're relatively the same thing. I think Tennessee has better pass catchers and arguably the better running back, but I do think the Colts have a better quarterback and arguably the better offensive line. So they're giving and they're taking in these different directions. So it's really going to come down to these two defenses and the special teams units. Can Blake and Ship be the guy to give you those three points in those close games, especially against Tennessee? Will they? Will the Titans be able to trust Randy Bullock? It, it, it's going to come down to the smallest of things. This is a division that will be won in the margins. But Also, here, here's something I got for
0: you. Yeah. Okay. Matt Ryan last year, 3,900 yards, almost 4,000, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Not not the worst stats in the world. He was on a terrible t- terrible situation. Basically, Kyle Pitts was the only guy he could throw to after Calvin Ridley got banned for uh, betting. In 2020, Phillip Rivers threw for 4,169 yards, 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. We love Jonathan Phillip. Ta- Jonathan Taylor in that year ran for almost 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor is much better than he was in 2020, yeah. obviously. So... That got them to the playoffs. Granted, They had a good defense then too, but those two guys on that, on that offense got them to the playoffs.
1: Well, no, I, I, I understand the Philip and I understand the argument, but I, I, I genuinely disagree. The Colts had a, the Colts had T Y Hilton, who was still producing. If I'm correct in 2020, like, let me look up T Y Hilton's career stats,
0: but basically what i want to ask you is that Matt Ryan just kind of has to do what Philip rivers did. He kind of has to get near the 4,000 mark, kind of has to get 25 touchdowns and keep the interceptions down to a minimum because you have a much better back than you did in Atlanta, a way better back you did in Atlanta, and you have a better back, arguably, than Phillip Rivers did. You have the same back, but he's much better now. You have you have arguably one of the strongest defenses, probably definitely in your division and across the league. I think Matt Ryan can get him to a wild card spot. He's definitely an upgrade over Carson Wentz. I think he's a better decision-maker. I think he has the better arm. Yes, he's old, but so was Philip Rivers. Phillip, that was that was Phillip's last season. My man had like 40 kids to feed, but that was his last season. I think Matt Ryan can get them there. Are they going to win the division? I don't know. Probably not. But I think they can at least slip into a wild-card spot or at least get very damn close. The problem is if they have to sweep Jacksonville. That's for damn sure. They cannot keep this streak going of losing in Jacksonville. It is a game you should win week in and week out. You should beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. You are the better team. It's not particularly close.
1: Yeah, my thing with my my thing with the uh, with this Indianapolis team, and I get the illusions to the 2020 team. I think the 2020 team is far better than this 2022 iteration even at the advanced stage of a Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is one of the best signal callers of his generation. Granted, he didn't reach the heights of Ben or Eli, but he put up the numbers that really outpaced both of them. Um, Matt Ryan is from a similar mold, but I think Matt Ryan's regression has kind of been a bit faster, for lack of better terms. Um, Reich could be the guy that helps get the most out of Matt Ryan, but the receivers really concern me. Because with Rivers, he he not only had Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor, he also had Zach Pascal, Michael Pittman in his first year of actually getting some decent like receiving work. He had 500 yards. T.Y. Hilton had another 500. Jack Doyle put up almost 300 yards. And that defense had a lot of the same pieces this defense has, but younger and in other parts better. Justin Houston was one of the edge rushers on this roster in 2020. And the AFC was worse in 2020. I don't know how to break that to everybody. Over the last two years, the AFC has gotten every fucking transplant from the NFC. It's kind of like what happened with the the Eastern Conference in the NBA. A lot of these dudes from the East went out West and it's thrown off the whole trajectory of how these conferences behave. I think if you want to make the playoffs as a team in the AFC South, you have to win your division because if you do not, I don't trust either of the top two teams in this division to beat out the second or third best teams in a division like the AFC West, and especially in the division like the AFC North. Because looking at the teams, Baltimore's better than Indy and arguably Tennessee, Cincinnati's the reigning AFC champion. I'm not going to count them out against either of these teams, Chargers, Hmm. Broncos, Chiefs, and fuck it. Even the Raiders. I think all four of those teams on paper or in practice are better than the top two in the AFC South. And yes, there's a lot of unproven stuff in the AFC West coming into this year. But let's be fair—if we're just calling a spade a spade, this is the weakest division in the AFC, and it's not close. It just—it it just, it just is. That is correct. correct. And so you are going to have two teams that are god awful. You're gonna have two teams that are kicking the shit out of each other, praying to God they can make it into the playoffs. One of them's getting it. There's no chance that two AFC South teams make the playoffs, especially when they couldn't do it last
0: year. And here's the thing they have to play the AFC West this year. So they're playing the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos. Yeah. They're also Uh, like, let's just go through their schedule super quick. Okay. Week one, they go to Houston. W. Yeah. Week two, they go to Jacksonville. It's been an L for eight years. If it's an L, look. I know it's gonna. I know it's week two, but if you lose this game, your season's in jeopardy. It's as simple as that. these are game. You have to sweep Houston and Jacksonville. You have to take four wins while they're being handed to you. Yep. it's as simple as that. Okay, so I'll chalk it up as a win. But when we get to that point in week two, with our predictions, I I don't know how I'm gonna feel about it. Okay, the best then then. Go for it. The, be- the
1: best teams are the teams that find ways to not beat themselves. The AFC right. South will be won by the team that does not beat themselves most often. That's the reason why the Chargers didn't make the playoffs. We fucking walked into Houston and laid a fat egg. And then yeah. we played shittily that entire final week against Las Vegas. Until yeah. Herbert pulled us out of his ass. It's the best teams that win and make the playoffs tend to not beat themselves more than their opponents
0: do. Okay, week three they host the Kansas City Chiefs. They're not beating the Chiefs. I, not beating I'm the not. Chiefs.
1: And it, this isn't last because the problem with the Chiefs over the last couple of years is you find that they're complacent and they stagnate. They can't do that this year. The AFC is yeah. too stacked. Mahomes knows this. Andy Reid is prepared. This is a team that is going to come out swinging. And their defense, for losing a guy like Trevarius Ward and other guys like Tyron Matthew, they are improved. I think this Chiefs defense could be the best it's been in years with the rookies they brought in in this class. It's every team. It seems in the AFC, regardless of division and aside from the bottom feeders got tremendously better. And even some of the yep. bottom feeders are tremendously better. Look at Jacksonville compared to last year. This team is apples to oranges. Yep. The Colts are the Colts. All they did was say, Hey, T Y Hilton, we're not paying you anymore. And Matt Ryan fucking let's figure something out.
0: Okay. The week after that, they host Tennessee. I'm going to give them a split on the season. Because I'll I feel get- like they should have split last year. So let's just give them a split. So we'll give the home team uh, the win here. Okay. Then they go to Denver. Mm. That's, a that's,
1: a, that's a toss up. Uh, that's genuinely yeah. a toss up. I, Russell Wilson beats out Matt Ryan. Denver's offense is markedly better on paper yeah. than the Colts' offense. Nathaniel Hackett scares me more than Frank Reich scares me. Defensively, yeah. they're almost a wash. If, if Stephon Gilmore is Stephon Gilmore from three years ago, for the Colts, their defense is elite. If mm-hmm. he's what he was playing for Carolina last year for the stretch, I'm not
0: that – they're a great defense, but not elite. Hosting Jacksonville, got to win. win. Go to Tennessee, loss, host the Commanders, win. Mm-hmm. New England, I feel like you should win that game. They had a subpar offense, and if your defense is as good as we say it is, they need to win that game. Yeah. Any toss-ups, they have to come out with the win they go to las vegas
1: they could win that game but vegas's could. offense is far better than this uh iteration
0: of yeah. the colts they host the eagles it re- really is, when we get to the eagles next week it's going to be interesting because the eagles have this they're they're almost 2 phased it's like you get a completely different team some weeks so it really yeah. depends what eagles team shows up that week arguably when we get to it next week i will agree the eagles are way better than they were last year but they do have that weird, like every team has their off day, but they seem to have more off days than the bad teams. So they could yeah. beat, they could beat the Eagles. Then they host the Steelers and win that game. If their quarterback situation is not figured out by then, they're kind of just throwing guys out there. They can win that game. Um, they go to Dallas. I don't know what Dallas is going to look like at that point. That's a toss-up game, in my opinion. Um, they go to Minnesota. What's up? Uh, they host the chargers chargers are arguably the way better team yeah they win that game they go to new york to play the giants and they host the texans in the last week so they have almost two free wins handed to them in the last two weeks of the season when yeah. wins matter the most so th- i think yeah. this team can win 11 to 12 games but it, like there's a lot of toss-up games that are gonna determine their season kind of like every other team we get it but for the colts this and this is the problem. They're in the AFC, and Matt Ryan's not going to be that elite quarterback that they need to get deep into the playoffs. They're going to have to rely on their defense more than they do on their offense, and Jonathan Taylor is going to raise a lot of stacked boxes, so Michael Pittman needs to take a huge step. Paris Campbell has to take a huge step. They need something out of their wide receiver core. I just don't think this team can still win the division, but I think they can win at least 10 to 11 games and at least sniff a wild card spot. Maybe the last one. I think the AFC is a is a madhouse, and it's going yeah. to be hard to win, but I think they can be in the hunt most of the year.
1: The Colts' best attribute is the fact that their coaching staff hasn't had a lot of turnover over the last couple of years. They are who they are in the same way that Tennessee is who they are. These are veteran teams that have played together and added on the fringes at certain positions, but a lot of what they are has stayed the same over the course of the last three, four years, which I think lends them – a distinct advantage in terms of a full 17 game slate. They know who they are as opposed Mm -hmm. to a team like Denver or a team like Vegas. Now with Josh McDaniels, a lot of the teams in the AFC are going to deal with things where they have a lot of moving parts trying to mesh and form together as one over the course of a training camp and preseason where there's just not enough time in the world. So the Colts are interesting. I just don't think there's, I just don't think there are as talented as the other options you're going to see coming out in these wildcard spots. Yeah. They have a relatively safe floor playing in this terrible division and having to realistically only compete against Tennessee to edge out for the division, but I like Tennessee. And they have to they
0: have to be five and one in divisional games. They have yes. to. The only game they can drop is against Tennessee. They have to take the five wins while they're granted. They have to beat the Giants. They have to beat the Commanders. That's seven right there. So yes, yeah. you gotta win some of your toss-up games against Dallas. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, Pittsburgh, Minnesota. you got to win some of those toss-up games to you know, be in the dance just like everybody else. Yeah. But they have basically seven wins on the board for them. Maybe, maybe they could get swept by Tennessee. I'm, I'm being a little egregious saying they are going to split with Tennessee. But I just named six six games that they have to win, and that's yeah. half the battle right there. So yeah. it'll be interesting. Yeah. Okay. We'll finish up with the Tennessee Titans, the number one seed last year, who came out – I wouldn't say they came out flat against Cincinnati. It was more Ryan Tannehill's fault. They sacked Burrow eight times. They went through a smorgasbord of injuries. Mike Vrabel is your coach of the year. Um, Take me through Tennessee. Tennessee is the reigning AFC South champion,
1: and they should be the repeat AFC South champions. Um, This is a team that their biggest problem is going to be replacing the targets that are vacated by A.J. Brown. But a big help to them is the fact that they actually have a guy that is a proven perennial pro Bowl esque caliber receiver and a guy like Robert Woods. Coming off of an ACL injury at his age, I believe he's in his early 30s, late 20s, is a bit concerning. But that is a steady hand for Ryan Tannehill to throw targets to. And they have a guy that they drafted in this year's draft, Traylon Burks, who was billed as the next A.J. Brown. In terms of build, stature, he's this like chemical X or weapon X type player. He's extremely good after the catch, and he should be able to fit into this offense extremely well. Derrick Henry's back. Um, I don't know if everybody forgot who the fuck he is. Derrick Henry is, for as good as Nick Chubb is as a pure runner, I think Derrick Henry's the best pure runner in the league. Um, ahead of steam and a stiff arm, he's going to the rack. Um, ever since Jacksonville uh, week 14 or 15, I believe like three years ago, he has not looked back. Derrick Henry is a one-man freight train. Uh, you can are we, on. Can, can I just
0: table. say? Can I just yeah. say that this dude led the league in rushing yards for like four weeks, even after he had stopped playing because of his Derrick, injury. Derrick Henry, if I'm correct, played eight games last year. So let's see. And led the league in rushing for like thirteen weeks, twelve or thirteen Derrick, weeks.
1: Derrick Henry had 219 carries in eight weeks, totaling 937 yards. He missed almost. He missed half of the season. He missed half over half of the season, and he almost had 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. This offense was markedly worse after Derrick Henry went down, but they figured it out. And mind you, this is also a team in the Titans that lost their first-round pick, Caleb Farley, extremely early in the season. If the Baltimore Ravens were dealing with the season from hell, um, they were probably seventh layer. But fifth layer was this Tennessee Titans team but they just wouldn't fucking quit. Ryan Tannehill is not my first choice as a signal caller, but he's definitely not my last choice in a 32-team league. Derrick Henry is a master class at running back. If he's on the field, this team can win games. It's just the way that it works. They have the defense to keep offenses off the field, and they have an offense that is built to control the clock. If moving the chains were currency, the Tennessee Titans might be one of the richest richest teams in the NFL. Um, Nick Westbrook-Akine as the third option is – Something I like a lot more than Paris Campbell or Alec Pierce out in Indianapolis. Austin Hooper is an upgrade over whoever the hell they had last year at tight end. And my biggest problem with this team is arguably the offensive line. Taylor Lewan struggled a bit last year. We saw it in week one. Chandler Jones made every single player on the offensive line his child for 60 minutes, 120, (laughs) whatever it was. If this offensive line can play an improved style of ball this season, I think Tennessee clears all the teams in their division. And I think they're still in, because this is a team that really went through the ringer and came out on top. And they had Ryan Tannehill throw three picks in the AFC Championship game, and Evan McPherson sent them to the Shadow Realm. That's, that, or in the divisional round, that's not a bad season. For as bad as it was, they did really well. And I love the defense. Um, Starting off, Kevin Byard, he's a top five safety in football, give or take. Easily top ten, arguably top five. I wouldn't put him top three, but he's very good. Kevin Byard's a stud. Christian Fulton and Caleb Farley should make a good tandem at corner. Roger McCreary and uh, Elijah Molden backing those two up. They've got bodies on defense, and they've got some star talent that I think is going to translate. You've got Bud Dupree, who had a resurgent year for the Tennessee Titans coming out of uh, Pittsburgh. Everybody was confused about how he was going to pan out in Tennessee. He had a really good year. Jeffrey Simmons off of the edge is a solid guy to have. While I may like the pieces for the Colts defense a lot, I like Mike Vrabel over Frank Reich as a head coach. For everything I for everything I said about the Colts last year, you can plug that into what I'm saying about this team this year. The Colts for me were a, a pick I took off of feel, and Faith and Carson Wentz, the Titans this year, are my pick off of the feel of Mike, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Rabel. Correct. Yes. And (laughs) I, I, I see both teams. I see the questions that are surrounding both of these teams. And I genuinely just feel in my heart of hearts that replacing your quarterback is a tough task. The Colts do it damn near every year. Now, Tennessee is operating at an inherent advantage because Ryan Tannehill doesn't have to learn a playbook every single year. And yes, Malik Willis is itching at the bit to take over, but I think it would take the Titans being god-awful. I mean, like, third in this division for Malik Willis to touch the field. If Henry's healthy and if Robert Woods is back to what he was, this team clears. I like the Titans. I have them winning the division. And obviously, if they can't beat the Colts once, it complicates everything.
0: But Tennessee's kind of had their number for the last couple of years. So... The biggest two for Tennessee is that Ryan Tannehill, like... Has had really good years in twenty twenty. Threw for thirty three touchdowns, only seven picks. Last year he threw thirty seven hundred yards, twenty one touchdowns, fourteen interceptions. A little on the interceptions, but he's done really well with his legs too. He ran, rushed for two hundred seventy yards last year, but that's not the that's not the number I'm I want to talk about. He ran for seven touchdowns last year. Yep. And and granted, Derrick Henry was out for a while, and they had to piece together what they could with. Darrell Hilliard and whoever else was there last year. Um but he's he makes plays with his legs which is always an inherited advantage for for the team. And when you he's able to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry what sounds like 500 times this year if you want to set the pace again. Their offense, like you said, if if getting first downs was currency, they they'd have a lot of money.
1: Like a big thing too is Derrick Henry has been on a scorching pace for his career in terms of overall carries. I think they temper him back a little bit this year because they found a guy in Dontrell Hilliard in the whole just smorgasbord of like descent into a running back depth charts. They had to do last year. Dontrell Hilliard broke out as a solid piece for them
0: in the well, absence they, of Derrick Henry. They have to, right? I mean, yeah. at some point, how, how old is Derrick Henry? I, I will tell you literally right now. Derrick Henry is 29. twenty-eight years old. Twenty, just turned twenty-eight. Well, not just, but will turn twenty-eight late in the season. Yeah, he's had a lot of carries. My man has a lot, a lot of miles on the legs, and he will absolutely stiff arm anybody and run over anybody any day of the week. But two hundred and nineteen carries in eight games cannot happen again. You're, you're, you're setting a pace of nearly five hundred carries. We're watching running backs fall like flies, left and right one after another. And we saw what this team, yes, this team succeeded without Derrick Henry last year to get themselves in the number one seed, but they're just different with, with, with Derrick Henry. And you could say whatever you want, like, Oh, you know, he was coming back for Cincinnati and this like that. He didn't perform that game. It's a simple, as, and that's going to happen. That's going to happen to a running back at times, but they do, they have to figure out who else can take some carries, who else he's not, a. he's not the best pass-catching back in the world, so they need a good third down, pass-catching back to go along with them, and if they put some miles on Dontrell Hilliard to do anything, and I mean anything, to keep Derrick Henry alive for 17 games, that'll win them division alone. Yeah, it's...
1: it. The, the Colts and the Titans are essentially distant cousins. The way that they play <laughs> their game is relatively similar. I just think the Titans have the shinier toys and the higher upside. Um because looking at the rosters, their team their teams are predicated off of play action passes and heavy rush schemes. So it's like Taylor versus Henry. It's a toss-up. I'm not going to pick either or. But Tannehill's consistency in Tennessee, aside from a bad playoff game last year, I have to side with that over a guy that's coming into a brand new system first year as their signal caller. Like Matt Ryan's great. But Tannehill's been there. Henry's been there. Mike Rabel's been the best coach in the division for what feels like years now. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colts had their window with Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck retired. And they've been in this just consistent loop of trying to figure it out without him. And mm-hmm. they're too good to find somebody young enough to actually move forward with. But they're not bad enough to actually like completely dismantle this thing. They are effectively in the nfl's version of purgatory because even if the colts make the playoffs i'm not picking them to beat anybody else in the afc in the playoffs
0: yeah unless that's, that's... that
1: defense is like a just a record-breaking year it would take 85 bears
0: defense but are you picking tennessee against anybody too
1: tennessee proved it last year they can compete with damn near anybody in the league based upon last year's standings I'm not going to pick them head-to-head in a playoff game against, say, the Chargers, Chiefs, or the Bengals, but I do, or, or the Bills. I'll give the Bills their due. But yeah. I think if they're matched up against a Vegas, possibly a Denver, even if Miami or New England were to sneak in, I think Kansas City, the thing that can't the, – the, oh, Tennessee. The thing that Tennessee <laughs> does well is they control the clock. And their biggest problem will be getting into shootouts but they're more suited to win a shootout than uh, India's, as of right now.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Their game is definitely let their defense keep you off the field and run the clock out and have Henry pound you for the allotment of time. Mm -hmm. If they're
0: winning turnover battles and they're controlling the clock, this is a very hard team to beat. And the thing is, too, about this wide receiver room is that, yes, A.J. Brown is a dynamic player and changes the – the outcome of any can JJ outcome of anything is going to be a great player in Philadelphia, and it is a huge loss to the Tennessee Titans. But I'm not gonna just push Robert Woods to the side. This man had two one th- over 1,000 yards receiving in Los Angeles, almost a thousand yards in 2020, um, tore his ACL and had to deal with Cooper Cup last year, who was blowing the world up. Like Robert Woods is a good number one to have if he's healthy, he could be really good for Ryan Tannehill. He could open up for Traylon Burks, whatever they feel Traylon Burks is going to be. After after Traylon Burks and Robert Woods, I'm not too too gung ho to talk about the rest of the wide receiver room, but at least they have that. You got Nick westbrook Akinny, you got Austin Hooper, and you know Anthony Fursker was supposed to break out like five years in a row. So I'm not really gonna get into Tennessee tight ends. You know, Austin Hooper's cool and all, but he's going to blow me away with anything. And like you said, this defense, they lost Caleb Farley early, and Caleb Farley is projected to be a really good fucking cornerback. He just has a lot of health problems. But if he can stay on the field for 17 games, he's going to be a great player. We, we saw what Patrick Sertain did last year for Denver. He he made a difference. Like, granted, Denver did not make the playoffs last year because they just flat out didn't have a cornerback. But if Caleb Vardy can be somewhat like what Patrick Sertain was for the Broncos last year, it's going to be fucking huge for them.
1: Yeah. And I do think Austin Hooper is one of my favorite additions to this roster because let's not discount how good Austin Hooper was in Atlanta playing with a guy like Matt Ryan. Tannehill's the second best quarterback he's ever played with. After he left Atlanta, he was playing with Baker Mayfield, you know, Cleveland's whole ragtag bunch of quarterbacks. <laughs> The drop-off was intense. He hasn't cleared 500 yards since he left Atlanta, and he had three straight years of 500-yard-plus production with over 60 targets. I think he's going to be a safety valve for Tannehill that he has not had since John U. Smith left. So if John Who Smith was producing in this Tennessee offense, I expect Hooper to be involved, and I think that's going to not only help Tannehill, but it's going to help Henry, and it'll probably get Burks and Robert Woods more, more open. So I just... For me, Tennessee is just the team this year in this division that has an answer for most definitely everything, and they have upgrades in areas where I don't think the other teams truly do in terms of, like, the Colts, because Mo'Ally Cox, he's a downgrade from Jack Doyle. Um, it, it's It's just tough. It's going to be a coin flip a lot of this year, but from what Tennessee has proven – Over the period of time that we've been looking at them, it's it's Tennessee and then everybody else until we're proven wrong.
0: Yeah, we'll go through the Titans schedule really quick. They open up week one in the Giants. W, not close. They should annihilate the Giants. Then they go to Buffalo. Yes, you could pick Buffalo for this game, but you remember the last time these two teams met up? Derrick Henry annihilated them on Sunday Night Football. I don't remember actually if Tennessee won that game, to be honest with you, because it felt so long ago now. But Derrick Henry just spins up the door for you to absolutely annihilate any team. But I'd still give Buffalo – they're one of the top two teams in the – one of the top three teams in the AFC, so I'll give it to Buffalo there. Then they host Las Vegas. They can beat Las Vegas. We talked about Las Vegas going into shootouts. If they get in a shootout with Tennessee, like, then they start giving up rushing yards, it's over. So – Give them them that toss-up game. Then they play the Colts. They're in Indianapolis. We'll give them a split. They go to Washington. They should annihilate Washington. They host Indy. They should beat them. Play the Texans. You should beat them. The Chiefs, you can beat the Chiefs. You you can do it last year. You could do it again. But I'll give it to the Chiefs just to see what happens. Then they host Denver. They can beat Denver. I mean, honestly, Tennessee can beat anybody that shows up Tennessee or wherever they go because Derrick Henry has just done that for them. The past couple of years, and their game management has done that for them. The past couple of years to put them at nearly the top of with everybody else, even though they just don't seem to be, you know, suited like the rest because they don't have this all-star quarterback. Um, but then they go to Green Bay. That'll be a tough one. Playing Cincinnati, a tough one. They're going to have a tough schedule. They won the division this year. They go to Philly. Tough. Depends what Philly they get. They get Jacksonville. Tough. Or no, not tough. They should beat Jacksonville. <laughs> They go, to, they go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Again, tough. It's really going to be what the Chargers' defense is going to be. If it's anywhere near what it was last year, it's game over for the Chargers. Um, but it should be a shootout the way it sounds like. They host the Texans, should beat them. The Cowboys, the Cowboys haven't been that great at stopping running backs for a, a while now. So unless Micah Parsons is able to uh, pick up Derek Henry and put him on his back, which is not going to happen it could beat the Cowboys and this is coming from a Cowboys fan and then they play and then they go to Jacksonville. So they get a nice easy, you would hope win to end the season. It's just that you seem so much more confident to pick Tennessee in their toss up games than you do Indianapolis because they've just been able to win those toss up games and shock people. Yeah. So, and the Mike Frable factor, Mike Frable has done it for a long time. I think Mike Frable's, Long, long time's a little too far, but I think Mike Vrabel's a, a great coach and has been doing well in Tennessee and don't see him going anytime soon. Um, I think this team can win 12, 13 games. They could be the number one seed again if they won all their toss-up games. It, it, it they, they can do it again. If they could do it through what happened last year, if they're able to stay anywhere near healthy, they could do it again. They just need Ryan Tannehill not to throw a poorly timed pick. I mean, they sacked Doro eight times eight fucking times that should win yeah. you a game. You're putting the quarterback on his back that many times, let alone any incompletions or stopping Joe Mixon. They arguably should have won that game and Daniel T- kind of threw it away. Yeah. And they could have really, who'd they play the next week? Um, it was the chiefs the next week, right? Mm. Yeah. So another great game to be had, especially if Derrick Henry could have been literally anything going into his next game after kind of getting his feet back under him. So I think we're both looking Tennessee to win this division simply because they've proven it.
1: Yeah. Tennessee is the incumbent. There's a reason why they won it last year. And this team should be a lot better than last year's team was, especially when in the health department, if it all falls apart again, because Henry can't stay healthy for a full year, that's not so much the fault of the Titans, but just mother nature. So, until the wheels fall off, this team is better than Indianapolis. And until Indianapolis can either pony up and get a young stud at quarterback, or it's going to be they have to find a definitive solution. Because Indy can't keep trading for a long, malign starter. This is not the Rams. right. Indianapolis is not Hollywood. They do not have the money to eat dead cap and to pay signing bonuses in the way that the Rams have gamed the system. They are not the same in terms of organization. And I know Jim Ursay has deep pockets, but Indy's a lot harder to market than sunny Los Angeles.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, who do you think's going to finish last? Is it Houston or Jacksonville? Houston. Houston. I would be, I would, yeah.
1: I'd do a spit take if it were Jacksonville. I, I. I think Houston could probably surprise people and play spoiler a bit, but Jacksonville is so far ahead of Houston in terms of roster construction and even possibly mm-hmm. head coaching. I just think Houston's one step forward and two steps back, and I think Jacksonville's finally starting to pull themselves out of whatever drudgery they were stuck in.
0: So, Tennessee, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Houston. Yep. We'll probably make playoff predictions again before the season starts, but we'll just say it right here, right now. True or false, the Indianapolis Colts will be in the playoffs this year. False. I don't think yeah. they're going to make it. My opinion could change, but I will agree with you for now. I think it's false. I think they can be in the hunt all year because the AFC is just so fucking powerful. It's just hard for me to pick them over the Chargers or the Chiefs or the Broncos or we have no we, we get to Miami in 2 weeks. We have no idea what Miami's going to be. We don't know what New England's going to be. Buffalo's supposed to win their division. We just did the North a couple weeks ago where Baltimore, Pittsburgh always finds a way to get in. The Bengals and even the Browns could all find their way in. It feels like more than over half of the AFC can find their way in. So somebody's got to lose. Yeah. Somebody somebody has to lose. So, yeah, I I know I was saying it all podcast that the Colts could slip into the playoffs, but if I had to be definitive and I were a betting man, which I am, I will bet that the Colts will finish as close as they were last season on the cusp, but just one tough loss, put them in a bad spot.
1: Yep. I I just, the Colts are not going to be in a great spot. I don't, I don't, anything can happen. I just don't see it. Tennessee for me. And then the rest of them are going
0: to toil away. No. Okay. That'll do it for the AFC South. Uh, Round time is we have a, a draft to get to so um everyone have fun have fun with your fantasy football drafts as we get closer to uh football season me and Devin have finished up a couple we got a couple more to go especially with one tonight so that'll be interesting um and you are not here next week correct
1: nope um so all right my deepest condolences to everybody listening and everybody uh, watching at home i will be uh gone this is my uh final final days as a I haven't been an eligible bachelor in three years, but uh, I'm coming back a married man. So uh, this hand will be occupied for the rest of my life, thankfully. So um, you won't be hearing the P word next week, but uh, don't worry. The AFC East is going to be a hell of a time. Austin will have my picks for the NFC East. It's going to suck not being able to make fun of
0: the Cowboys, but I'll get it all in. During the don't AFC worry. Season. I'll do it for you. Okay. You can send but, um, all the Mike McCarthy jokes you want. I will read all of them verbatim. Yes.
1: And so, yeah, we're going to get out of here. We have a draft coming up like right about now. So um, (laughs) from Austin and myself, we thank you for joining in. Don't forget to follow us, the TMSM podcast on Twitter and Instagram, if I'm correct. And uh, follow us. Uh, If that's all, we just got really. Um, (laughs) Okay.
0: That was really weird. Um, But follow us on our socials, subscribe to the YouTube channel or always asking questions in the middle of the week. I cannot wait tomorrow to ask if Derek Henry or Jonathan Taylor is going to have a better season. I cannot wait for this. It's well, going to be sweet. Yes, it is.
1: So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for tuning in. And uh, until until next time, friends, peace.